Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. Now, here is your host, Adam Mates. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. I am your host, Adam Mates. And I'm joined by the king himself, the king of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Oh, I'm using my Colorado Sports Guys intro. <laughs> um, hey, this is my debut on the uh, on the Pickaxe podcast. It only took three months. It did to get you on here. It did, but uh, I feel much better for actually being on it now. I feel complete. <laughs> our our clicks are about to go to quadruple, marginally higher. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is good to have you. We are, uh, we're actually recording at Pepsi Center in the bowels of Pepsi Center. Yes, deep in the bowels. <laughs> deep in the bowels. <laughs> in what they now call, what, what is this technically, the media workroom? Yes, this is the new media workroom, which... Uh, used to be a broom closet, I believe. Yes, and now we're... <laughs> I, no, this actually, I believe this used to be the, uh, the, old, uh, pre- the old, old PR team's office. Ah, and then they they remodeled it. It's not nearly as big as it used to be, but uh, yeah. So they gave this to us. I never use this room. Do you use this? do you use the the workroom? Yes, I've, I've used it, but uh, it's only when I'm, I intend to stay late. Right. Mostly, I do my work at home. Right. And so if I'm going to like do a video or something like that, I get the video I, I got because I work better actually within the confines of my home. But if it's something that I have to get out immediately, I'll I'll, I'll do it here. Only the real writers use this, and that, that's not us. No. <laughs> then Chris Dempsey's no. and your AP. Pat and, Graham. Yeah. Okay. Pat, <laughs> Pat Graham, Graham is a real writer. Yeah. He will use, he, he was exclusive. I mean, I, I think we could call the press workroom the Pat Graham room because he's in it, like, more than anyone else. Yeah. So we're here, but we're not at Jake's Sports and Spirits. Jake's is our sponsor, 3800 Walnut Street, one of, if not the best sports bars in all of Denver. It's also home to Stiff's Night Out, which is coming it's going to be for our opener against the Pelicans on the road. Uh, last year, I think – last year my favorite SNO was the first game of the year. It was, yeah. it was, it was like 100-plus people there. Yeah, it was the Nuggets great. won. There was Got a lot of excitement. T-shirts. Yeah. Gave away T-shirts. Hey, we need to talk. I mean, we, need, we need to get some more T-shirts yes, going. Those are great T-shirts. Um, so check it out, 3800 Walnut Street. Great food menu. Uh, our other sponsor, Wash Club Denver. Um, Awesome local company, laundry service company that offers on-demand pickup and delivery of your laundry. Here's how it works. You get the Wash Club app. They have their own app. Or you can go to washclubdenver.com and just fill out your order right there. It's very easy to use. There's like four questions. They'll come to your house or business, pick up your laundry, take it to their facility, and return it to you within 24 hours. You don't even have to worry about laundry. You just sign up, order it. They do all the rest. So check them out. They're big fans of our show, uh, the podcast, and of DenverStiffs.com. So they gave us our own promo code, Stiffs, S-T-I-F-F-S. Use that. You get 25% off. It's a great way to do laundry. Check them out. You know, if you're, if you're going to go back to Jake's, because Jake's is a sponsor of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast as well, um, ask for Jake Feinstein. <laughs> and he will appear. You just have to ask it into a mirror and <laughs> three times. <laughs> there he goes. Um, all right, so 
I'm so excited. I launched this podcast um, right after the Nugget season ended, which was the perfect time to, <laughs> to, to launch a podcast. That's, that's how you maximize your, <laughs> you maximize your uh, downloads. Right. <laughs> but it was almost – it was like an off-season for me because it was me figuring out how to, like, turn my podcast equipment on and off, which took a couple months. Well, so. it's safe. Hey, listen, it's, it's – it's a process that takes a while because none of us are, are trained radio people. You know? right. This is you really have to kind of learn your way. You have to find your way around it because the first I uh, Nate and Ross did a great thing with me because I was a guest on their podcast a whole bunch and I was a, I was a regular so I was on like once or twice a month right. and then I was just the guy who was brought on officially in two, that late two thousand twelve and but I was able to kind of work up to being better at it. Because I was a guest so frequently. Right. But Nate and Ross, if you listen to the first episodes of Colorado Sports Guys, it's uh, it's not the same. <laughs> the salad days of podcasts yes. are always interesting. Well, I, I think we have uh, our stride here now with the Pickaxe, Pickaxe Podcast. It's and, great. And I am now a subscriber. And now a subscriber. <laughs> it's good to have the support of some of your closest allies. <laughs> um, no, but it is great, and I'm excited. Uh, we'll be doing at least a weekly show throughout the entire season. We'll also have some roundtable, uh, bringing on new guests all the time, and we'll even have some short ones to kind of preview games and stuff. So I'm really excited for short and stories, man. Short like me? Am I your first short <laughs> guest? <laughs> Jeff's on fire already. What is, I've been begging him to come on the show for three months. He said, you know, let me get, get your format down and then get call me. So. Get your shit together first. Yeah. Um, no, but the, I'm excited because we actually have real stuff to talk about now. Yes, we do. It's we nice have real that. actual basketball. Well, kind of actual basketball. Preseason yeah. basketball. It's the it's preseason is actual basketball. It's just it's just played a little more casually. Where would you rate, <laughs> where would you rate the basketball preseason basketball or summer league basketball? Which is more interesting to you? Oh, by far preseason. <laughs> but but summer league is is nice for the train wrecks that can be sometimes. Right, right. Because you know it, it, you were you've gone to the last two summer leagues out in, out in Vegas. It is my favorite week of the year. Sometimes uh, you just watch the games, and by the end of it, you're like, I, I I can't watch this anymore. But I mean, it's preseason. Yeah, you get to that by the end of it, but it's still NBA basketball. It's not just a bunch of rookies. And summer league is kind of like a more involved baseball experience for me. Yeah. You know how you go to a baseball game and you watch like ten minutes of play and you talk the rest of the time to your yeah. friends. That's like summer league for me. Yeah, I'm like this year. I'm watching Jamal Murray, and then when he's out, I'm kind of. Just, yeah. I'm just shooting the breeze. Yeah. But no, pre- a beer. preseason basketball, and there's this is I I wrote about this earlier in the week. I think this is the most exciting preseason team the Nuggets have had in over a decade. Oh yeah, because they have such a young roster that so many guys are going to play just to get experience, and yeah. then they have a really interesting rookie class. Um, but I want to start actually with a guy who's in his third year, who I think was the story of Game One, and that's Yusef Nurkic. Yeah. Um, what did you think of his game? Um, well, it, it's really interesting to see how he – okay, well, I'll, I'll say this. He looked like he had more energy, and yeah. that was the first thing I noticed. Last year, anyone who remembers uh, Yusuf Nurkic from last year will not know that he looked significantly out of shape. Right. And he was uh, getting exhausted about every three minutes. And you could see him just dragging, and it just caused mistakes – and it caused everything else. And I did, everything else stemmed from how out of shape he was because of the knee injury, obviously. But I noticed that first, and then I noticed the fact that he it was just kind of what a difference he made yeah. when he's right. Right. When he's right, he makes a difference. And that those are the two takeaways I had. I mean, we could talk about all the other ancillary things uh, that go with personally in use of Nurkic, but those are the two things that I think stand out to me and what define use of Nurkic, at least for me. Yeah, and I think we always – I'm always cautious to judge centers in particular when they're coming back from an injury. Yeah. And last year, I mean, we saw that with Mozgov. When he's healthy, he looks a lot better than when he's hurt. Um, and, and we saw that obviously last year with Nurkic who were – he had a down year. I don't think there's any two ways to to write about it. He had a down year, a disappointing year. Uh, and it was great. It's only one game, but it was great because he really did look like a different player. I think he even looked different from his rookie season, really. Yeah. I mean, because he was spry. He was up and down the court. Um, and then here's another thing I will say about him. 
one of the one of the luxuries we have of, of getting to report and actually come to the gym, and and I think this can be overstated sometimes, but in this case, I don't think it is. As you just pick up vibes, you pick up vibes from being around the players in locker rooms and yeah. practice. Nurkic, Nurkic's vibe right now, to, we we just interviewed him maybe 15 minutes ago, yeah. is very different from last year. And I would totally. say, like, I mean, he's a playful guy. He likes to be around his teammates. He was real serious today in his interview with us. Oh, direct, mm-hmm. uh, biting almost. Not mean or rude or anything like that. He sat and t- chatted with us for five, ten minutes, which yep. is a long time for a player after practice. But he seemed very, very focused. You picking up the same, same thing? Well, yeah. In fact, he, uh, uh, I asked him a question about uh, some of his defense, and uh, he says, "That's my job." You know, <laughs> right? And, um, and that was like, but it was good to see. Right. I, I, I liked that sort of thing because it's hard to describe last year the difference. I mean, everyone could see Yusuf Nurkic, the, the the difficulties he had last year, but it was a lot of the attitude problems looked like because he just was not overall in shape and right. he looked um miserable yeah and but then he would like when you'd see him on the court he'd be all playful with his teammates so it was an odd dichotomy that produced this just weirdness that was your Yusuf Nurkic last year now it's just like one game and it's just a preseason game but based on you know since we have to like we have to make you know, firm, definitive opinions <laughs> after one game because yeah. that's what we do. Um, you got to project his career right we do, now. Right? Yeah, it's like because uh, <laughs> um, future NBA championship yeah. center. How about that? No, um, and, and I really do think that he is starting to at least get it. Yeah, I, that's a good way of putting it. Is, is get it because speculating here just from watching him and picking up things that, that coaches and, and different people will say and pressers. There was a bit of an attitude, or and maybe still is, a bit of an attitude thing with him and a focus. I think he's a little bit sensitive. We saw the blow-up he had with the Bosnian national team and the fans. Yeah. I think I think he has a little bit of a thin skin, but at the same time, uh, he kind of had a playful personality. And it's been interesting to see him this year because he looks a lot more focused, hopefully a lot more thick-skinned, and just you know able to handle the ups and downs. Because he's not going to play. He's not going to put up the same stat line every single night. He's going to have nights he doesn't have it. Hopefully he can uh, – it, it looks very promising that he's going to be able to maintain his focus and composure and, and all of the good signs that we saw from him yesterday. Yeah. But it is interesting because you watch guys as they go through their career, and it is kind of interesting just from a personality standpoint. Nurkic is very serious right now. He had a very lighthearted, fun rookie season where everything was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. He had a really miserable second year, and he lost his starting spot to another rookie. Yeah. And now it's almost like he's a different – again, it's only one week into the, into the preseason, but it, it looks like he has a new focus and seriousness about him. And I'm yeah. wondering, is that just a progression where you make it to the NBA and you're happy, you go through a little bit of adversity and you're kind of like, whoa, I can't, be, I, I can't be satisfied. Because I look at guys like Beasley and Wancho, and those guys are just like all smiles. Yeah. They're like – they're having the time of their lives. And I'm wondering, is that a rookie thing? A little bit. I mean, uh, I – I think that you need. Uh, this is going to sound cynical, but you need a year for the NBA to beat you down. Yep, and that's exactly what I'm what I'm kind of hinting at. Because it's 80, 81, 80, 81 games. <laughs> eighty one games. Eighty one games. NBA expert Jeff Morton here. <laughs> have to worry about the last game. Eighty two games, and it is a grind, and it's the grind that gets to people. Yeah. You know, forget about just having a bad stretch of basketball. It's the playing some sometimes back to back, sometimes three games and four nights. And then you extrapolate that over six months. By the end of it, you're worn out. Yeah. And a lot of rookies are, you know, loving it when they first get into it. Then afterwards, by the, you look at like Emmanuel Moody by by the end of last year, he was. Not even not even by the end of last year. If you recall, he had the dust up with Malone in December. That's right. On on the bench, they kind of went at each other, and I and I was such a a remarkable moment for me because I remember thinking, like, man, the pressure—not just the pressure, but the NBA is getting to him. Yeah. Like, you could tell he has a lot weighing on him. Oh yeah. Oh, it's the league. I mean, eighty-two games of basketball is is a grind. I mean, that's why you get injuries, and I think that. Anyone, people who could deal with it are usually people who are a little older. And I think a lot of these, the youth, yeah. the, the youth these days, <laughs> um, a lot of them, they, they get in and they, they just, you, you can, there's no way you can prepare for it. Right. No way. Because even in college, you're paying, you're playing what, 34 games playing, at yeah, the most? Yeah. 
you know, 35, and then you just you're done, and your 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 games are com- concentrated to basically I think it's October to to March, and then like a lot of people end their games in early March. Right. And it's it's you're done, and then in the NBA season, it's the whole it's all year. thing. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. That, but anyway, long story short, yes, it's. I think he's starting to get that, and he understands the grind now. Nurkic is going to have a hundred tests throughout the year. Yeah. I think he's past the first one. Yeah. I mean, it, we don't want to overstate and say he's turned a corner or anything. There's there's a hundred obstacles in front of him, but he's yeah. one down yes. and, and with flying colors. So there were some some things that, that I will. I don't. I don't. I hate to be the party pooper, but I, there are still some things that are, are of a bit. A bit of a concern. He had four fouls in 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. He missed five shots in the paint, four in the restricted area. These are the things that he struggled with last year. He did have a great drop step, though, that I thought was one of the best yes. post moves I've seen him use. Yes. Um, so it's just something to to kind of follow along those stats because he does need to raise his, his shots at the rim percentage quite a bit. Now, uh, now you're an old post guy from... from from the 80s. From the, from the, early, <laughs> from the early 2000s, the, thir- the early aughts. And my, my, I want to ask you this question. How do you stop rushing shots? Because I think his – I don't even know if it's because he thinks he's going to be blocked. I think he's got poor technique. Hmm. When I look at him, I think when he – especially you'll see it on rebounds. And when he gets the rebound, it's not that he's necessarily rushing it. He's always coming at an angle that is going to be the least productive to getting a basket, especially because they're always sharp. They're always – at a poor angle, and it's like he's not in the best position to be using his body less than to me than it is rushing the shot up because everyone gets blocked in the NBA. It's just it just happens. That that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. That I think the number one thing with him is he has a irrational fear of being of his shot being blocked. Yeah. And I actually think this is a thing with shot blockers. I think shot blockers, guys that are really good at blocking shots, hate getting their shot blocked. So I think with him, he's one of those guys that he catches the ball and he's like, oh, I better hurry. Or otherwise otherwise I'll have the humiliation of having my shot blocked. But if you look at the list of guys that got their shot blocked the most every single year, it's superstars. Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James. These guys get their shot blocked a lot, but it's because they're so aggressive going to the rim. Even I would bet Danilo Gallinari gets his shot blocked. Disproportionately high yeah. because he's always attacking and he's attacking contact and this and that. So yeah. I think with Nurkic, it's probably a lot of film study with yeah. coaches and a lot of just saying, you know, you need to go out there and get your shot blocked five times today because that's better than than you flipping up some of these these misses. Well, there's uh, there's a description that I used to have for certain uh, post players. And it's called slow quickness. Mm. And it's it's the having the ability to get your shot up there with it with speed, but doing it deliberately. And the best ones know how to do it. Like Hakeem, Hakeem Elijah one was the best at yeah. slow quickness because he was he had a great move, but he knew how to get his body to right. where the chances of it getting blocked were minimized. Um, and even his shots got. I mean, the '94 Finals, Patrick Ewing blocked him. We had the record. Uh, Patrick Ewing has the record for blocks in a seven game series. It was 31 or 32, and most of them were on Akeem Olajuwon. Right. But he didn't care, as you right. were pointing out. Yeah, you just go for it. I think the other thing with, with and my thoughts about Nurkic are I don't really think about his offensive game too much because I do think that's going to be a much slower climb for him. My thoughts with him are much more about his fouling and, and defensively because I think he can be not just a playable but a very, very effective center even if he just shoots the exact same and his offensive game stays where it is. It's just about cutting out those fouls. Um, that I think will be the biggest thing, and then two, three, four years down the road, he'll slowly improve that offense. Well, at post game, post players are the slowest of it to develop always. Yeah, um, that's what they say about uh, anyone you draft, especially if they're really young and they're post players. It takes a while on offense, but defense usually tends to come quicker. What did you think about those blocks that he had last? Time? I thought they were great. Those are the type of plays that stick in players' minds, and I thought I thought. He looked very, very comfortable defensively, yeah. I thought, yesterday. Very, very good. Like, the timing and everything. You didn't know, you know, the, obviously the, the loss of weight and all this stuff. But I just thought his timing and his confidence. There was the big block in particular, one where he really sent the ball sailing. It was like, I thought he missed it because he was so late to react to it. But yeah. when you go back and watch it, he was actually kind of suckering the guy into shooting it because yep. he knew he had the timing. So, 
those type of blocks. I, I thought his defense was phenomenal. I thought his game was really good. I think I graded him an A. Yeah. So I don't mean to harp on the, the, the bad things, but it is something that. But there are things to improve. I mean, things, you, yeah. there are always things to improve, especially with, what, he's 22 now? So I mean, yeah, he would have fouled out in 30 minutes today. So, I mean, if he would have played regular, you know, seven more minutes, I think he would have been on pace to foul out. So yeah. it's something to keep an eye on. But uh, let me ask about Jokic because he was kind of a classic Jokic stat line. He had 12 points, six rebounds, three assists. In, yep. in 28 minutes, which is actually kind of a lot of minutes. Yeah. I was surprised Malone mm-hmm. put him in in the fourth quarter again. And then classic Jokic, he was a plus eight, a team high plus eight yep. in his minutes, um, which single game plus minus doesn't really matter, but Jokic is always the leader in that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I tend to think it does. Yeah. What do you think? Well, it was you know interesting to watch him. I think he will – my own opinion about Jokic this year is that he will struggle mm. because – I think that people are prepared for him now, mm. and I think that there's going to be film on him now, and it's going to on. He's in that year where it's on him to adjust to the NBA. The NBA had to adjust to him, especially since he came out of nowhere. No one had any clue about Nikola Jokic last year, right. and part of part of his um, rookie year was the fact that no one accounted for him. Um, Later in the year, maybe a little more. I mean, he did actually struggle a, a little bit in the last month of the season. But I think that this will be a year where he has to catch up to the NBA. He has to learn to be a load bearer. He has to be a guy who is – because how many minutes did he average last year? Was it 20? 21, I think. Yeah. So he's definitely going to be getting more minutes this year. Um, we're looking at 30 probably for him, you know, best-case scenario more. If you're going to get in that point, he is going to have to adjust to the NBA because the NBA, I think, the, the film's out on him. So that's what I think. And other than that, I mean, he had, a t- as you said, he had a typical Jokic. Yeah. Line. I think it's tough to talk about Jokic's game yesterday without talking about the Jokic lineup, which yeah. maybe we need to change that to the Balkan Buddy Ball. Oh, to, to Balkan Buddy Ball. Buddy ball. Like, Malone <laughs> dropped Balkan Buddy Ball today in the post-practice. He's a fan of alliteration. He, he is. I kind of <laughs> The Congo kids. Yes. He's got the Balkan buddy ball. <laughs> we're gonna have to track this. I think we yes. need to track Malone's alliteration. There's a pattern here. Um, what did you? Okay, well let's start with you. What did you think? So the Yurkic lineup. I thought offensively, there's not a lot of question about if those guys can can work because I think they do very yeah. much. They both pass the ball so well, and we had some really cool moments of them passing to each other. Yeah, I think they each assisted to each other, or he gave a potential assist to each other on several occasions. Yeah. I thought they did a good job of exchanging who was the rim runner. So you, typically with two bigs, you'll have the, the guy that grabs the rebound is kind of the trail guy, and the other guy sprints and tries to get the position. They had a couple really good high-low actions in transition just from one guy getting position. Yeah. Offensively, I thought it was pretty good. It's still, they played, I think, 18 minutes together. I would have rather seen about 10 minutes together just because I still think that the team is significantly better, or I'll say marginally better with one of them on the court rather than both. Um, but it is nice, I think, in the preseason, if they even if they are giving 20 minutes a game to that lineup, I think it'll bode well for them in the regular season, even if they do cut that down to 10, just because it's practice. Well, I, my, my feeling is this. Um, it's one game. And it's going to need, even though they they played it at the end of last season, um, I I think it needs to still work out the kinks. Yeah. Um, and that's more about the other players around them. Yeah. I, I think that's less about them. I think those two got whatever they got. I, I, I'm not worried about those two working in in you know being compatible. I am more worried about the other guys around him, specifically Emmanuel Moutier, who yes. seemed to be very affected by that. Um, and uh, Gallo was affected a little, but Gallo still always finds his points. Right. Uh, he tried to post up a couple times. You pointed this out in your recap last night. Um, and he, he doesn't have the space for it. You have two post players. When they're both in there, yeah. Yeah, it's just not going to – one would have to clear out completely, and that would that would just be a projection, I think. But um, it – Gallo seems to be okay, and there was less isolation from Gallo as a result of this from this lineup. But um, the, it's less about what that is. I think defensively is the area where they those two have to figure it out. Um, and Jokic guarding stretch fours or fours who are more athletic than he is yeah. is going to be a problem regardless. I'd, I'd love to see Malone 
use the two guys as drag as a drag screen and transition because they're big bodies. Yeah. Jokic can pop, so he can he can be kind of the pop guy on that. And Jokic has a big body to set that second screen. I just would like to see some more of that action. I thought I thought it wasn't there wasn't that much variety offensively in how they were used, and it was one game. So yeah. I mean, the, that's not a knock on the coaching staff or anything like that. But I hope here through training camp we see some different looks. Both guys at the elbow, both guys setting drag screens and transition. I just think that would be a cool look, and, and there's a lot to do. Um, so at this moment, I'm not as high as, as Twitter and the Denver Stiffs comment section and, and Reddit Denver Nuggets was about, about the pairing, but it, it was definitely not a negative, let's put it that way. Well, I, I put it this way. Um, I, I said this today, I think it was the Denver Stiffs comment section, which I, I never visit anymore, but I need to do. But anyway, there was a... Um, I said that one of the reasons that the late era Kobe triangle, quote unquote, was able to work wasn't necessarily because you had Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum in there. It was because you had Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom made that entire team work. He was the guy that could do absolutely everything on that team. And the Nuggets, if I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies don't have that. They didn't have a Lamar Odom, so their ceiling was actually capped. They didn't have a Kobe either, but they I mean their season ceiling was capped. I think that what made that work in this era of basketball was they had that wild card, the guy that can come in and be the versatile person who can play center, who can play even up to uh, small forward. Yeah, because he things. played with a starting two centers. He'd yep. play small forward, and then sometimes he'd slide over and be the five. Yeah, Lamar Odom's, Lamar Odom's the type of guy that's underrated, though. Yes. You know, there's so many guys like him. I mean, Draymond Green is almost a first version that's not underrated. Yeah. Because he's kind of that multi He's kind of like guys. that, yes. Yeah. A shorter version of uh, Lamar. Yeah. 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 So, um, but absolutely, you're absolutely right about him. I don't think the Nuggets have, have that. But I also think that as great as Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum were, I think Jokic and Nurkic could get to that level at some point down the road. Yeah. Um, Andrew Bynum was really underrated when he was good. I mean, he kind of fell off the, off the map. Obviously, Pau Gasol is an all-star, phenomenal player. Andrew Bynum and had, underrated. had a brilliant two years. But he had a great stretch there. <laughs> he had a brilliant two years before he stopped caring about basketball again. But that was... That was some knee injuries, too. Yeah, the knee <laughs> injuries. And, you know, and, and Pau Gasol is a, a skilled passer, and he worked really well on that position. But anyway, not to, not to concentrate on the, the yeah. Yurkic thing, but... I think that it's going to take time. It, it, regardless of whatever kind of way we see these teams shaping up, whether you're like thinking that the that the era of big ball is gone, whether you think that you know the Nuggets are kind of trying to do something passe right now, honestly, we won't really even know. Yeah. And then and you're not going to know after one preseason. Right, just right, not. of course. Let's move on to some of the other guys that were really interesting. Jamal Murray, in particular. Yes, the Powder Blue Arrow. Um, made his debut. Thought he, I've become a convert to, to Jamal Murray. I actually wasn't a fan yeah. early on. Uh, he kind of won me over at summer league, and I really like his his potential offensively. I think defensively was kind of bizarre for him. I thought he struggled, yes. um, but offensively he just looks like a guy that knows how to get buckets. He had that awesome crossover. He had a twenty seven foot three pointer on a catch and shoot mm-hmm. with a hand in the face. Uh, what do you what do you think of him? Um, I, I think that he has the potential to be that guy, yeah. and, I, and I do mean that "quote unquote" guy. That number one, he has the potential to be a number one. I think he's got the mentality, and he's got the he's definitely got the game. Um, it's round now a question of whether it's going to be coming to fruition in the NBA. Yeah, he's not. He's going to be coming off the bench. This is not going to be an immediate thing. This is your work. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for him? That he's that he's in a situation where he's not like Moutier last year was thrown to the Lions because yes. he was going to start. He would, he had to play thirty minutes. Well, if it's going to happen this season, he's going to have to force it. He's going to have to not force it, but I mean, he's going to have to give the coaches no other choice than to play him more. Um, right now, it's such a stacked. And I and I don't mean stacked as in quote unquote talent wise. It's just you got a lot. You a got lot of players. A lot of players, and you got to fight through that. And I think it's going to take a while. But he is he is someone to watch because there he's just got that. I was kind of watching him today. He's got the work ethic down. Yeah. 
And he's got the kind of the smooth. He's very game. smooth. Very smooth. It's almost a critique of him. People say he's too slow. Yeah. But I don't I don't I don't buy into that narrative. It's good to be smooth. Yeah. If you have a smooth game, you are going to score the hell out of the ball. I mean the, the smoothest scorers are the ones that score the most points. And he has that potential. It's gonna be an adventure for him on defense, but I am You know who is smooth? Sam Perkins. Big smooth. You know who else was smooth? Hmm. Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. <laughs> yes. That's a. You know a, who else was smooth? Alex Kenny G. Kenny G. <laughs> Alex English was uh, had, had, was described as having a smooth shot. Is that right? Yes, a smooth <laughs> shot. Huh? Yeah. Be's, uh, Murray is a, is a smooth player. It's smooth. I think he's very. I mean, he he's not quick by or fast by any means, but he does have short bursts of quickness. That yeah. crossover, for example, was a one step quickness that, oh, yeah. that just burned a guy. Um, I think he's going to be fun. It's it's, I'm excited. And if and if and if you got the chance to watch the game last night, if <laughs> more on that later. Yeah. But if you got a chance to watch it or you watch the highlights, 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 you see how effortless it was for him. And, and that's the thing. I, yeah. Some guy, you just you can't teach that thing. That's things that you just cannot drill into people. And when you got that, God, you know, if it works, it's exciting. Let's say you have a second unit that features uh, Nurkic, yes. Fareed, Will Barton, Wilson Chandler. Would you rather Jameer Nelson play those point guard minutes or Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray. I agree. I, uh, Jameer Nelson, I was really excited for him two years ago because I thought he had a really strong, when he came to the Nuggets, yeah. I thought he looked good. Then... I thought he was terrible last year. Yeah. I was so surprised at how bad he was before he got injured. And then it was just a preseason game, but I thought he looked bad again. And it made me yeah. think, are we really losing that much? I know we are. There will be moments when you need that stabilizing yeah. force. But I think, uh, I think I'd rather see Jamal Murray playing 10, 15 minutes a game rather than Jameer Nelson playing 20. On a team like this, you want the young guys playing more. I, yeah. It's just it's a rule of thumb. I, I, no offense to Jameer Nelson, he's probably better utilized on a team that's not the Nuggets. Yeah. On a team that is has playoff aspirations. Well, every team says they have playoff aspirations, but <laughs> the, the Brooklyn Nuggets, Nets do not have playoff. They aspirations. do not. They do not. <laughs> but you're he's better off on a team that's like looking to have that guy, yeah. and like Andre Miller on the Spurs or someone like that. Right. Um, right now, the Nuggets. I look at it and I think. He's kind of holding it back a little. He might be. I mean, just him alone might unclog some of that backcourt yeah. uh, logjam. But at the same time, as weird as it is to say that I think I would prefer Jamal Murray play, I think Jameer Nelson is good for one or two wins this year. Yeah, solely probably. because there'll be those nights when Moudier doesn't have it. And there'll be those nights when Jamal Murray's not going to be able to go take it to Chris Paul. Yep. You know, a player like that that just hounds young point guards and is going to make young point guards. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to give him a nightmare. So, uh, Let's move on to Malik Beasley because I think he was the star of the night. Four for four from the field, yep. one for one from three. Yep. Uh, had a turnaround jumper. He had uh, he showed off a, uh, you know quite a bit of confidence, I would say. That guy's a confident guy. Yes, he is. Um, what do you think? What do you think of his game? You just took the words out of my mouth. He's confident. <laughs> he's a very confident guy. He's he's a guy that that um, you're going to have to like figure out how to use his confidence yeah. to your advantage because kind of like Will Barton, yeah. both of those guys are extremely confident. And then sometimes that confidence, especially at the this youthful age, will turn into chucking, and it'll turn into other things like that. I Beasley doesn't seem like a chucker to me. Yeah, he does seem uber confident, and I do love his shot. It's really, really pretty shot. Um, I like what I see with him. I'm not as excited about him as I am about about uh, Murray, but he's got the potential to be kind of that wild card. Yeah, don't you think he finds shots? He's a yeah. guy. Some guys they go in there and they you know you don't see him and you're like oh man I haven't even thought about such and such player for five minutes he's a guy that the ball just finds him and I think it's because like you said he's confident he's got yes. a quick trigger 
Um, but uh, itchy trigger finger. His itchy tr- his, his, <laughs> his finger his trigger finger is itching all the time. But uh, but he was fun. It's just great yeah. to see him last night. I gave him and him and Wilson Chandler out at my grades both A's, and that was ninety percent just because it was great to see them on the court. We hadn't hadn't seen them yeah. in Wilson's case for so long, but for yeah. Beasley ever. Yeah. So it was just great to see them and, and absolutely. See them knock down some shots. I, I mean, we didn't see see Beasley got injured. When did he get injured? Uh, I thought it was like March or something. March, it was and like, then we didn't see yeah. any anything in summer league, right. nothing in workouts. It was just it, this was the first time we were able to see him, and it was it's not. It, listen, if he continues that, if he hits, goes four for four and and hits those shots as effortlessly effortlessly as he does. I got no complaints. I, 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 I thought you were going to say he's going to get minutes, and I was going to say you're right. If he shoots 100 percent from the field all year, if he, he will get, get minutes, like 100 for 100. Yeah. What about Wancho? He had the pass of the night. He did. That might be the pass of the year. There's. It's not every year you see a pass like that. How did he? I, I don't know how he found. Who was it? Who did he found? Was it? It was uh, Jarnell Stokes. Jarnell Stokes. How did he find him? How did he know he was there? When it happened, I thought for sure it was an accident. And then the replay, I thought, 50-50. And then I watched that replay because I screen-capped it. I watched that replay ten times. It was definitely on purpose. His eyes kind of glance over. Right as he's catching the ball, his eyes kind of glance over, and you can kind of see him, the wheels turning. And he's like, all right, I'm going for this. Oh, he, that was so pretty. Spinning 360 behind the back pass. That was so pretty. And it got viral. It did. It went around. Dime NBA Magazine Twitter. was doing a slam, I think. And, and people were like, I mean, Wait, okay, listen. Who knows how many minutes Wancho's going to get this year? I I don't know. Yeah. He's the guy that I can't account for. I don't I don't know what the Nuggets are planning to do with him, considering the four spots got you know Darrell Arthur, it's got right. Kenneth Fareed, it's got Nikola Jokic. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But you see stuff like that, and you're like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see more of that. Not every personally. player can make that. <laughs> no. Not that Wancho can make that every time, no, but, the, not, he, but yeah. he made it once, and not every yeah. player can even do that once. I thought he rushed a lot of his shots early. Or not, 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 not just his shots, but his play. The game looked like it was going really fast for him, yeah. and he was trying to catch up, um, which is to be expected. Typical as to yeah. rookies. And then I think his shot, I wonder about his shot. I want to see it some more because, to me, it looks, it might just be that it's being rushed, but it doesn't look, he doesn't look like a guy that can shoot to me. And I know his numbers in Europe weren't that great. They were like thirty-two percent or something. They weren't tremendous. I mean, I, I I would hope that he would work on it, and I, I would yeah. have the same concern because he really excels at rebounding, and I think that's good for someone who's what nineteen. Yeah, um, twenty-one. Is he 21? I think he's twenty-one. He? I think he just had a birthday, and it was his twenty-first. But I can't, I can't say that for certain. We're looking this up now. Juancho Hernan Gomez. He is 21. Yep, September 28th. So he's a little bit older. I'm bringing the Colorado sports guys. We don't do research thing into, uh, <laughs> into the Pickaxe podcast. No, because I thought the same thing when it was his birthday. I thought, man, I thought, I thought he was like a year younger than he is. Oh man, that's he's man. an old man. He is. He's like you. I'm not quite. <laughs> not quite that old. No, but he uh, he I, he's he's a guy that we just keep hearing coaches, front office people, scouts, everybody just raving about the dude, and I really do think he's a guy. He could be like Nikola Jokic, where an injury or two puts him in the limelight and yeah. he shines, but probably he'll be a guy that's that's minimal minutes. But I don't anticipate him or or Beasley seeing many minutes this year. But who knows what the future holds? I mean, hey, I didn't even write about Nikola Jokic in the preview last year. So you never know. At this point last year, I mean, I wrote a big thing about him in summer league, but it was like it's like we're talking now about Wancho. It was a like, oh, two or three years from now, this guy's going to be a player. Well, so you never know. You never know. Well, hopefully there's not any injuries, but you know if there is. Yeah. Well, real quickly, Wilson Chandler. Yeah. Good, great to see him back on the court. He had a dunk. It's always like a, it's almost like football when a guy misses uh, a year and he gets back. You yeah. almost have to get hit that first time to oh, kind yeah. of get over it. Yeah. Well, he didn't even need to get hit. He just went in and put a reverse dunk reverse, over two guys. Reverse dunk. <laughs> I, I think it's gonna. I mean, I remember after Gallalot went was out for a year for his ACL. He then the Nuggets' first preseason game was in Phoenix, and he had like he lit up the scoreboard. I think he had like twenty points. Yeah. And um, and then it was downhill from there. Yeah. And 
with guys that miss the year, I mean, they, they get back on the court and they're so happy to get on the court right. that the energy takes over. But I do think that it will be a while before Wilson can adjust. And, I'm, and it's going to affect his shooting a little, probably more than anything. That's what generally happens. Because in game speed, it's just different. You have to adjust the way you think. Um, but I think Wilson will be fine. I mean, I, I saw that, and I think I looked at that and said, that's typical Wilson Chandler. Right. That's what you get from Wilson. The one thing I'll say is that he and Will Barton both kind of got lit up by Terrence Ross. <laughs> Terrence Ross kind of went up. He hit some tough shots. Terrence Ross made some crazy ones. But yeah. I thought when Wilson went in there, it's like, oh, hope, you know, hopefully he'll shut him down, and he did not. So, so Ross is looking uh, looking slim, too. So uh, he's, he's, he's I think that's a trend in the NBA, but uh, yeah, he lit them both up. And well, with with Martin, that's not yeah. not surprising, unfortunately. But um, well, let's move on to the funnest topic of the day, okay. and that was that we did watch the game, but we watched it through an illegal online streaming service. Yes, um, that was. I, I haven't been that frustrated in a long time as I was last night trying to watch the Nuggets game. Um. There was like 10 different streams online, illegal streams, and they all seemed to crash about every 60 seconds. Uh, It was infuriating. But the Nuggets, then they're not the only team. A lot of teams do this. They they do not have an altitude there to cover. Uh, Or actually, I I need to make sure I phrase this right. They didn't have a broadcast. They had, I think Ali Sturm was there, but but only covering it from like a Twitter and postgame type thing. They They weren't broadcasting it. You write a column about that today. Yeah. Altitude, uh, just to set this up a little, altitude, before people look, listen to this and think, well, the Nuggets should do something about that. Nuggets can do nothing about their coverage. That is not part of their purview. It's not even part of Josh Kroenke's purview. KSE, Kroenke Sports Enterprises, is a separate in- umbrella entity for all the Kroenke's um, sports um, enterprises, as it says. Um, and the Nuggets are a separate thing. And Walton Kroenke owns the Nuggets and the, and the Avalanche. And Stan Kroenke owns KSE, but he has Jim Martin, who is the CEO of KSE, basically look over the whole thing. Stan is like the, the, the Uber, Uber lord, and um, Jim Martin is like the number two of K, KSE, the corporate organization. Jim Martin doesn't have anything to do with the Nuggets. The Nuggets don't have anything to do with Jim Martin. And what, unfortunately, some of the business decisions I, I believe that what I've seen them make have been poor. They have been um, ruled by the, the bottom line to the point where I think they're trying to squeeze every last bit of value out of every penny. Penny-wise, dollar stupid is, yeah. is the phrase I use to, to, to describe it. And, the, and here's the thing. I don't want to be over. I never want to be overcritical of players, coaches, owners, whatever. And, and the, the Nuggets and KSC have been very good to us. The, yeah. the Denver Stiffs and, and and there's a great relationship. But I don't want that that relationship to mean we never throw punches when I think they deserve criticism. And yeah. here's an here's an area where I think they deserve criticism. And for me, at least, it's not just about the preseason. That's that that's an example of a broader uh, a, a broader thing that I think the Nuggets and KSE and Altitude don't understand. Either they don't understand or they don't care that while, yes, the, the, a live stream probably would have cost more than it would have returned on a one-to-one basis, they are the worst attended team in the NBA. Fan interest is at an all-time low, and these things aren't the types of things that, oh, when the team's good, then we'll put in the effort. These are the things that the NBA, I don't, I don't think they understand the level of interest there is online for the NBA, it's a growing sport, growing faster than, than, than the NFL. It's growing worldwide and everything else. And people are asking us daily. I mean, we covered the Nuggets. People look to us for for insight. People are asking us daily the most obscure questions. We can post a hundred photos on Instagram today, and we would get people wanting to a hundred more. Yeah, right? I mean, there's, exactly. There's never yeah. too much content, and for the teams that. For the organizations that have the biggest fan bases and have developed and maintained those biggest fan bases, they're providing them with content and with access and with with these types of things. The Nuggets this week had media day, immediately went to Omaha where nobody could cover them other than the Denver Post. And then they – 
you know, they were away the entire time. They didn't have, they didn't live stream the press conferences like they usually do. And again, these things are silly. I totally get it. It's a 10 minute press conference. It's not that valuable. There's 20,000 people that click on Denver Stiffs every day that want to watch that press con- that silly little press conference, and they want us to talk about that silly press conference. Yes. So, either the either either altitude in, in KSE I think doesn't understand the opportunity they have, or they just don't care. And I and I, I I'm optimistic enough to think they don't understand, because but but I might be wrong about that because I think I think they have an excellent opportunity. This this team feels like 2003 to me. Yeah, it feels like this is a team that could be together and could be marketable. And when you have continuity, you can market that. Yeah, I know Jokic isn't the same as Carmelo. His name doesn't ring out across Denver the way the same way it does. Yeah. but you're going to have Jokic for seven plus years, yep. almost like you're going to have Moutier for seven plus years. This is the time when you should be building that fan base mm-hmm. because it's going in two three years. It's going to pay off. The one of the worst things about um, KSC, and I'm not going to. I'm going to be sure, and, and, I, and I direct who I'm talking about within each kind of different aspect of this company. Because we have the, a lot of friends at KSE, yeah. and there's some great people doing great work there. KSE is cheap, okay? And they are reactionary. They are not, they are not, um, they don't take the initiative. They wait for things to happen, and then they're late to the curve. Um, they are behind the times. They are um, unwilling to acknowledge that the fan base of the Denver Nuggets generally is late teens to about 30. Yeah, basketball is a very, I hate to use the term, millennial sport. For it sure. It is a very young person sport. It's growing with that demographic fast, very, very fast. These are the people who listen to podcasts. Right. Okay? These are the people who watch streams. These are the people who want 20-second video bites. These are the people who want things at their fingertips that they can access easily. When you set a precedent that you are not going to broadcast just basic preseason games, and I'm not even talking about putting it on air. They're not even streaming. On nuggets.com, because that's all that would be expected. I don't... We love, I mean, I, I think Chris Marlowe and Scott Hastings do a phenomenal job. They're one of the best, in my opinion, yeah. around the league. They don't even have to sell those, send those guys for preseason, just live stream the other one. Yeah, they, there's no attempt to bring the Nuggets to the masses. The masses being the people who are actually the ones who are going to invest time in watching it. Okay, and that's part of that's on the Nuggets. Altitude is, they need to amend their business plan and they need to amend it immediately because they're gaining a reputation as a company that values the dollar over marketing their own uh, kind of entities that they that they have on there. I mean, I guess it's not, quote-unquote, their responsibility to market the Nuggets considering they're a separate branch, but they are one of the things, and it probably the most popular thing on, their, on Altitude is the Nuggets. Even though they suck, <laughs> right? Okay, think about that. And the fact that they, they the Nuggets had what their ratings last year were second worst. Yeah, I mean by every metric in the NBA, that the Nuggets, the excuse me, not the Nuggets, the Altitude did nothing to help it. They did nothing at all to help it, and they're stubbing their toe again this year, and it's really disappointing. And not from a content quality thing because I thought they produced some great content last year online I just think they can there's just certain things they can up they can up the the content and up some of the and also take some of the risks but also the nugget social media and things like that two three years ago I thought that they had a a hilarious social media department that did really funny and innovative things now it just seems almost like your typical corporate button up oh here's you know here's this guy scored five points like that or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I feel like they've just taken less risks all across the board. And and when I talk about I don't know if they don't care or if they don't know, and I and I lean towards saying they don't know. Um, but one one thing that, get, that maybe is evidence for the other side is the big thing this year with Pepsi Center, the reason we're standing in a closet right now, is because they just built what's called the Lexus Club. Yes. Which is an elite private club for season ticket holders in certain areas to be pampered with delicious chef-prepared foods and and all this stuff. It's something that reaches 1% of Nuggets consumers, if that. 
And that's the big – that's where the money's going. I mean, so it makes me wonder – that's the only thing that gives me pause and says, do they care about the 99% of other fans that are watching on TV and sitting up in the rafters, or is their entire thing tailor, tailored to this corporate Highlands Ranch mother of four that's bringing, you know – Bringing people to the Lexus there, to the Lexus Club attendees and things like that. Let me bring this to a, a, a analogy that no one listening to this will remember, <laughs> but I will try. Since I'm going to link it to presidential politics and not declaring oh, this is anything, be great. not declaring anything about whatever. If you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly who I support. But anyway, in 1992, um, George Bush, the first one, was up for re-election against Bill Clinton and Ross Perot. Just digging deep here. <laughs> right, but, uh, one of the reasons George Bush lost that election is because of the L.A. riots hmm. after Rodney King. He seemed elite and aloof. Right. He was in a bubble. He didn't understand how to relate to the people's problems that were happening at the time. He couldn't because he was a rich person from Connecticut, extremely rich person from Connecticut, who now lived in Texas. There was no, there was no ability for him to relate to the people whose struggles were there, or the fact that they were sick of you know people getting clubbed in the middle of the street like Rodney, right. Rodney King was. That's a that's an extreme analogy for KSE. KSE is in a bubble, specifically altitude. And when you look at it, something like the Lexus Club, you're thinking, well, okay. That's going to cater to a very, very, very small percentage of your fan base. Right. So small. Your average person is sitting way up by where we, you and I sit in the Avalanche press box. Okay? We sit way up there. And your average fan, which, by the way, by and large, it was empty last year. Right. Your average fan sits up there because that's all they, they can afford. And then they see stuff like the Lexus Club, and they think, this guy can't relate to me. Right. They, they, they have no idea what it's like to buy tickets. And I'm sure that Lexus Club brings in a ton of money. Their season ticket and family packs that they really push. All that stuff they do that, you know, that every arena does, by the way. I, all that stuff, I'm sure, is the moneymaker. And, and they have to do that. But there's, there's the making the money, and there's the building the brand. I think the Nuggets are very concerned with the making the money part. But their brand is toxic. Yeah. I mean, it's toxic. The Nuggets are toxic right yeah. now yeah. Uh, amongst Denver fans. So um, that that would be the area that I think uh, that I would look for some. You know, I, I would look for them maybe to, to build on that brand a little bit more. Um, do you have anything else on that? Any other thoughts that no, you want to cross over? I mean, we don't want to rant too hard about it, but it was frustrating, and it's going to be frustrating the entire preseason. I think as we go on because. Um, they have a game, two games against the Lakers, Friday and Sunday. Yeah. We're going to have the same thing. I'm hoping, uh, I'm praying to God that these live streams work so I can cover the team and provide, <laughs> again, our tens of thousands of readers on DenverStiffs.com to uh, something to talk about. By the way, when they say the Nuggets are playing in Ontario, it's not Canada. <laughs> not this it's, time. It's Ontario, California. So I got one quick thing for you because I love your 76ers takes. Okay. They're going to have to trust the process once again. We have a. Uh, it just came out today. It's a Jones fracture That's with Ben worst. Simmons, which is the worst type of, of, a fracture for Ben, uh, uh, ben Simmons. <laughs> yes. So um, he, the rumor now, Rich Paul, his agent, LeBron's buddy, is going to be holding him up, holding him out the entire year. They don't want him. They don't want him to risk trying to come back for an extra month or anything like that. So, and why should he? And why should he? So, um, what do you? If you're a Philly fan, what, what, how do you feel right now? They've been trusting that process for three, three years. I think that that's a probably a good word. Cursed is what I, I would say, it, and I think that they need to uh, hope that Joel Embiid is all that they think he is, and also healthy. And because healthy. I mean, because I if mean, they lose know. Simmons and Embiid in the same, I mean, sorry, maybe sorry, Dario Sarge, maybe maybe he turns into something. But I mean, he's that he. I tell you what, Sarge is not going to have any worries about playing time now or having to <laughs> compete with Ben Simmons. So, I mean, hopefully you got to hope that Dario Saric and uh, Joel Embiid can carry the team. I mean, really, that's what it is. Um, because outside of that, they don't have a lot of backup there. I, I like Philly fans for how much they bonded to this trust the process thing. So, 
My heart goes out to them because they're in, this is their identity. I think yeah, <laughs> the 76ers weren't going to be a, a major story of the NBA season, although they were a story, and I think an interesting one. And yes. the loss of Ben Simmons makes this season you know, 1% less interesting because I definitely would have been checking the box scores and highlights and, and things like that for him. Um, we're going to close this with top five, as we're known to do. Yep. And, Jeff, you're a, you're a child of the 80s. Yes. And uh, you, you love your nostalgia. I do. You you love it maybe more than anything. I do. <laughs> I want I want the top five. I love the past more than the, the future. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want your top five most things that you are most nostalgic about. Oh God! Or or that bring out the feelings of nostalgia the most. Mm. Um, number five would be restaurants. Wait, um, restaurants? <laughs> There's still restaurants, Jeff. No, no, no. Certain, certain restaurants. Oh, okay. Like, I was going to say, have you been outside the house yeah, in the last no, day? No, I, I actually uh, have people kill food and then bring it to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, uh, rest, uh, certain restaurants around Denver, I, I'm, I'm really nostalgic for, um, that no longer exist. Let me hear them. Or the organ grinder. Um, the organ grinder. Never, you never went to No, that? I never went. <laughs> um, baby does. Baby does, I know. Um you're nostalgic for baby does. I am because they steakhouse do, is they, that what they did? Yeah, they used to have a brunch and they used to give you masks that you could point the poke the holes out of and uh, the eye holes out of and wear them. But those were kids. Oh. Those are the, those are, You're nostalgic <laughs> for something you had like when you were five. Then just yeah, no, okay. no, I just just remembering. Yeah, that's nostalgia to me. You know, just remembering these things. But um, things like that and uh, but restaurants. It's probably number my number five, but it's low. Um, Celebrity Sports Center. It's another place. So basically, Denver. Okay. Anything around Denver. Uh, Celebrity Sports Center. If, if those of you who remember is, Celebrity. Is, is objectively speaking, is Denver better now than it was in 1992? It's different. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's different. It's just different. It's, it's just. It's not. It's. it's a lot of transients here. It's been injected with some culture. <laughs> I don't mean transients as in, you know, homeless people, which I'm sure there's a lot of. But, I mean, um, I mean transients as a transient population coming in, particularly from California. But it's just bigger. And the tastes have changed significantly. Right. Denver really was a, a small western city. Right. And now it's not just you can't put the western tag on it anymore. Right. You know? um, when did you move to Thornton? What year? 2001. Oh, so you missed out on Biggs. I did. You didn't. You never got to experience. No, I did not. The um, massive super center before that was a. It's too I mean, common of a thing. Some of you who go way back will remember Shakey's Pizza. Uh, don't remember. Do those. not remember Shakey's uh-huh. Pizza. Okay. Um, at Shakey's was uh, anyway. That's so long. I'm not going to okay. belabor this. All right. But so yeah. restaurants. And number restaurants, one, old restaurants of Denver. Yeah, that's number my number number five. Number five. I'm going in reverse. Uh, number four. Um, songs. Music. Yeah. Wait, music or musicians? I'd say that's a different thing. Um, okay, I'll say I'll say music. Okay. Okay. When, when I was fourteen, I just when I was fourteen years old. My favorite band in the world was the Black Crows. Yeah, love the Black Crows. And I look back on that time, and I just I, I heard a song, "Remedy" by the Black Crows, and I was like, about a couple months ago, I heard it. I'm like, I was suddenly fourteen years old again. Yeah. It was amazing. What is, the, is is there a specific era, or do you combine eras? Like, are you nostalgic for the '80s and '90s together in this like fictitious? For me, for me it's just basically the '90s. Basically, the '90s. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my my tastes have always been kind of classic rocky. Yeah, but I mean, for like music of my of my time, yeah, it's obviously it's the it's the early night early 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 '90s to about the mid '90s, and then like and then when the new the, when the new metal stuff came out, I just kind of checked out. But. You always think of I think whenever you think of the '90s, you think of 1990 to '96. Yeah, yeah, you don't think of I don't think of the late '90s. Uh, I always think of this weird period between. Yeah. Between that and 9-11, basically, is when everything changed after that. That, by the way, is my favorite era of music as well. I mean, huge, huge early, early 90s, 90s, yeah, alternative, oh, yeah. alternative fan. Jeff Buckley. Um, yeah. I, I, I used to make mixtapes of the of the 90s. I'd have like 20 of them. I called it Best of the 90s. Oh, I would have called it, do you remember the 90s? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, so what do we have? Man, that would be number one for me. If I, I'm not a nostalgic guy, except for maybe with music. So. Oh, no, that's number not four. Right. Number four is, my, is music. Number three, um, God, jeez, nostalgic for um, old radio commercials. Oh my God, <laughs> this list is drunk. Okay, old radio commercials. And some of you who Tom Shane, Tom Shane, <laughs> Direct Diamond Importer. <laughs> 
Just like up a little road on Emporia somebody, Street, somebody, one half mile east of I twenty five. Somebody is telling me that Tom Shane has his companies in San Diego, and it's totally it's totally oh, ruined it. Is it? Portland as well. So really? Yeah, so I, it's, just, it, it, it's one of those things where it, the Shane Company commercials, you're in Big Sur Waterbed. Seattle, I've seen it. It's the South Center Mall, which is right really? across from Tacoma Airport. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, man. We've oh, been lied to. We have all these years. <laughs> direct diamond importer all over the western. Your friendly States. neighborhood diamond Big, seller. Big Sur Waterbed. Is another one. <laughs> Wait, is that its own category? That's its com- radio commercial. Radio. Okay. And then there was uh, Casey Fine Furniture. Oh, from Omira Ford. Omira Ford, 104th <laughs> and I-25. <laughs> this is this is how I know you're. You might be the most nostalgic person I've ever met because this is you can't fake this. This old, isn't a thing you could fake or make up. Old, old radio, radio commercials. commercials. Um, that's my number three. Old radio commercials because you know you heard them all the time. There was yeah. advertising. I guess on radio was more effective back then because none of them stick with me the way they did back then. Yeah. Um, the Shane Company one is obvious. Everyone remembers Shane Company. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we have Big Sur Water, Big Sur Waterbed. Um, <laughs> waterbed fat in general just is a, that's a relic of the past. Isn't oh, it? it's so eighty. Nobody's nobody's buying wa- no, waterbed. No, yeah, it's no. Can you buy a waterbed? I I would never even make that purchase in the first place. <laughs> Those are the worst, most uncomfortable things ever. Um, so yeah, that's number, my number three. My number two is, um, and it goes back to radio, but it's old radio hosts. Okay. Um, specifically, um, this, uh, Irvin Joe. Yeah. They, they just stopped, right? They were doing as early Joe recently. Still, Joe still does it. And Irv retired. Irv retired. Yeah. But they were all throughout my childhood. Yeah. So Irv and Joe was around. Yeah. They were always around. Um, a guy who became a friend of mine, Sandy Clough. Yeah. Um, and Theory Smith. And Theory Smith was amazing. And though there's, he died in 2009. He had uh, multiple sclerosis, um, and he had it for years. But he was one of the best sports talk hosts I've ever heard. And he was my by far my favorite one hmm. uh, when I was a kid. And um, I miss listening listening to Theory a lot. Do you think kids in 20 years will be nostalgic for CSG and Pickett's podcast? I probably. I and hope so. I, th- I think I think people in uh, two years will be so will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have number one now. The number one we have radio hosts, radio commercials, nineties music. It's all radio, and then restaurants. Number one's n- the Nuggets. The Nuggets. I mean, it had to be right. Yeah. Uh, nuggets, and then can we put like in parentheses Knicks as well? Yes, the nineties Knicks. <laughs> Uh, Mid nineties Knicks. It's like so. We're talking That's 90, such a short window. You're ninety two to ninety five because yeah. by about ninety five they just became unwatchable. Yeah. And after Riley left, I couldn't watch them anymore. That's it. When Riley left, he could quit by sending a fax. Um, Don Nelson took over, and it was just terrible. Mm. But I love those Knicks. But the the, the Nuggets from about nineteen eighty seven to about nineteen ninety. Right in like ninety five, right there. That's okay. my wheelhouse, right yeah. there. That's my form, That's formative, sweet spot. formative Nuggets yeah. fandom okay. was was done in that time. And then there was some great basketball, eighty seven, eighty eight. No Nuggets won fifty four games, um, the best team of the Mo era. And then uh, it's bracketed by the Nuggets falling apart yeah. uh, with uh, Bernie, Bernie Bickerstaff. But that era really formed how I look at everything in the NBA. And it's funny how a lot of people, I mean, you're love, you're about, what, six years younger than me, so... I'm 32. 32, yeah. So you you were formed about early 2000s, roughly there. Um, Nate's about four years younger, so, I mean, he's roughly the same era as you, um, although he's more in my, my kind of mid-90s nostalgia thing. But it might, if you really want to really boil it down, it's the mid-90s. Yeah. And it's where... My basketball fandom accelerated, and I think everyone who's watching basketball now yeah. will have that same sort of nostalgia when they look back. For sure. And that's part of what we're talking about with this Nuggets brand thing yeah. is that they're missing out on an, an, an opportunity to build that 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 core yeah. uh, uh, of fans between the ages of 10 and 25 
Yeah. Or this is a perfect time for them to be like, oh, you know what? I really like that Wancho Hernan Gomez. And I remember when they drafted him and this and that. There'll be a wave of players, I think, that won't catch that just because of how much the brand is toxic right now. And the, and those are the types of things. You're still a Nuggets fan because of those moments. I mean, obviously, you keep following it and you, and you still like the team. Yeah. But that's what that's what anchored you in. So It's it's one of those things. I mean, people... people I kind of had a thing on Twitter about this where it's all like... I, I, I write too much about past and I, I found myself yeah you didn't give an that. option other than no other than your no, options because, were all no because I was thinking about no and then people were like no you shouldn't do it but I mean at the, at the point I'm like should I be as nostalgic as I am but you know I think everyone reaches a point where they think about back in, back in the day things right. and that's what I've been thinking about back in the day you know, back in the day we did this back right. in the day with that and this is how it was done back then uh, I remember Don when Don McLean was a nugget you know and Didn't he sing that by my American, American Pie? That, yes, that's him, but that right? wasn't the that, same that, person. That was a different Don McLean. But they, but they, sh- they right. shared the same name. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I always <laughs> thought it was the same guy. <laughs> All righty, guys. That wraps it up for us. Jeff, what would you think? First time on the show? Great. That's great. great. Gonna have to have you on CSG again. Yeah, there, there you go. So, all right, guys, thanks a bunch. We might have something uh, planned for this Friday ahead of the game. So, stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.